Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 109, The Automatic Connection. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Michael as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. This is my second interview today, but after a short conversation before this episode started, you say you do four episodes in a day. I'm like, okay, I have to step up my game. <laughs> well, they're pretty short ones. I mean, I, I keep the podcast episodes down to around 30 minutes or so, and it's not a big lift, so... I can bang out three or four. I was like camped out in the truck most of the day today. I came in for breakfast and that was it. So, <laughs> Man, 30 minutes is short. Wow, that's like some of my episodes are 30 minutes and I'm like, oh, that's long too. So, hey, I'm giving you, I'm clapping. That's that's impressive, man. I, I got to, <laughs> that's, I, I want, I want your like dedication for to do four episodes in one day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, my guests hold me accountable. It's like, if I don't show up, they're going to be like, hey man. You asked me to come on. You got to be here. It's like, yeah, they're right. I, I got to be. I can't not show up. So, <laughs> And then it becomes a routine. And then you're like, I can just imagine you sleeping in the car. Okay, podcast time. Ready. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much how it is. Well, I did one today. Um, we I, So we got four girls and our oldest two are ages 10 and eight. And they actually did an episode with me today. They interviewed me. So I'm like, well, now I'm in the hot seat. This is kind of weird. <laughs> like a selfie you know but it was a lot of fun and we homeschool and this was the the time that they did they had to come up with like interview questions so i'm like girls let's make a podcast episode out of it and they got all excited so they had fun i could just imagine your daughter's like roasting you like daddy why can't my uh bedtime be nine o'clock now and you'd be like um well um yeah well <laughs> put you on the spot you put me on the spot yeah. oh man <laughs> yeah no we we sanitized the questions we made sure they were okay to ask and i'm like all right this is a family show. They're not going to ask anything like, how come I can't get a raise in my allowance? You know, that kind of thing. But yeah. Well, you know what? I feel like this is going to be a great start to a great conversation. And, you know, the conversation and the questions will be family, family friendly. There's a tongue twister for you. There we go. And before we go into that, uh, who is Michael? Just to give a little idea of this podcast genius. Wow. Well, <laughs> so I'm a podcaster and I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a business owner as well. And a lot of what I do for business is centering around automation, helping people get a lot more efficient. But I do it for fun, too. And, you know, it's something that I've I've been blessed to be able to do something that makes money, but also I do for fun as a hobby. And I'm able to sharpen my skills during my downtime when anybody else is like, oh, that's just a job. It's like, no, this is really fun. And I'm going to find some crazy ways to do some stuff in my off hours. I don't know anything about automation, but I'm really excited to just dive into it. I feel like I want to ask all the questions at once. <laughs> Actually, before we do, I know I'm that type of guy, but before we do that, uh, do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on so people can come show some love and support you? Sure. Yeah. So I've got a website. It's at archdevops.com. That tells a little bit about what we're doing, what we're up to. And it's more than just automation. We're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm all over the place on LinkedIn. You can find me. Uh, my name's Michael Fritzius. It looks like Fritzius, but I'm all over the place on LinkedIn. I'm constantly banging out content and uh, sharing what I know with people. As far as projects, I'm always working on really lightweight uh, social media bots just to save myself some time. Selfishly, I don't want to spend like six hours a day on LinkedIn or whatever. So I write things on the side and some of it is public. Some of it's private still, but... I'm always open to share and brag about what I'm doing with people. So if you want to find out more about it, just track me down and 
Let's have ourselves a conversation and I'll tell you all about it. Hey, like what we're doing right now, we're having a conversation and you are more than, you are absolutely more than welcome to brag about it here. This is your, this is your time. This is your show. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. It's so, it's so rare that I'm in, I'm on the other side of the mic and I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to talk about myself. Oh, it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like, oh, wait, I I can't forget. I'm like, I'm not the one interviewing. I'm not the one interviewing. I'm being interviewed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's perfect. I'll put all those links in the description below so people can go check it out and just see your adventure, see your journey and show some love. Now, talking about the very interesting topic of automation. Now, for those who might not know what it is, mind giving a description of what automation might be? Well, it's um, any kind of small program or script or process that saves time. And that covers a wide gamut of applications. You know, it could be uh, there's apps out there called Zapier and they have all kinds of automations you can build. You can get things like Dropbox talking to Google spreadsheets or whatever. You can have automation for email. You can have automation for, uh, you know, turning the lights on and off in your house. And you can also have automation for things like social media. That's what I specialize in with the little robots and stuff. So it's really just anything that saves either a little bit of time multiple times or a lot of bit of time every once in a while it's just meant to free up that most valuable resource for people the only time that i would not use automation would be for me doing the interview of my podcast that'd be kind of i don't know if how my guests would feel if a like an automated robot would talk to them <laughs> <laughs> you know i was just thinking about that today i hate to say it, and i'm like i bet there's a way to do it and i had to like that thought I'm like, no, I'm not going to spend brain cycles thinking about that because, yes, it probably could be done. But I don't want to be the guy to do that because I, I like my human people, my human brethren and sisters. I like talking with them. So I don't want to automate that. that. That wouldn't be fun. What was it? Was it Google that tried to do that with a type of technology? Was it a, oof, a few months ago last year where it's a phone call where you would call? And it would be a robot that would answer, but it would add in the ums and the uhs. And it sounded like you were talking to a real person, but it was automated. Yep. I saw that. And uh, we just a few nights ago, actually, we all got together and we watched. There was like an AI workshop. It was meant for kids, you know, because everybody's homeschooling now with COVID-19. And it's like, well, we signed up for it. and We watched it. And they had that as an example. And it indeed was that... uh, it was a woman's voice and it sounded legit. Like you kind of tell it was a little bit robot-y, but over a phone, it probably sounded like a real person. But yeah, she was putting in all the ums and uhs and and asking all the right questions and like turning it up at the end like a question. And <laughs> the lady bought it. They scheduled a haircut for like Thursday at 11 or something. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is it. This is Skynet. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny on that note? I, I work in an office and my voice sounds very like robotic and very authoritative and kind of stuff like that. So I answered the phone and the lady listened to it and she hung up and then she called again and she said, yes, I tried calling your office and a robot answered. And I'm like, oh, she's like, oh yeah, yeah that was like, my no, colleague. That- <laughs> <laughs> so I got to practice on my, my non-robotic voice. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's a, that'd be first for me. I've never been accused of being a robot yeah. before. <laughs> But uh, speaking about technology and automation itself, it must have not just popped out of the blue. How did you actually get introduced to um, uh, um, automation? Was it a person or something you saw online? You're like, wow, I want to give it a try or anything like that. I thought you were going to say abomination. Abomination. Yeah. 
I've written some pretty bad code before, but yeah. Well, you know, the first time I got introduced to automation, like what I use for social media, for example, I actually got my first taste of that at a job. I was working previously as kind of a developer slash QA tester, like quality assurance tester in the financial sector. And then when I was ready to get out of there, the next place they needed the tests automated, but it was for a website. And that was brand new to me. I'm like, I've, I'm like, guys, I've never done this before. And it's a language I'm not familiar with. So, I mean, it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun and I can assure you I'd be able to pick it up, but I, don't, I have zero experience doing this specific thing. And they said, that's okay. We think you've got what it takes. And uh, they were right. You know, we were able to do some pretty crazy stuff. I remember that they had a, uh, that particular place, they had a an image-based CAPTCHA that they would use to try to prevent people from automatically making new accounts. And it, and it also was in the financial sector. They're like, we don't want people making a bunch of spam accounts. And they were having a terrible time trying to get around it with the automation. And I was able to try every dirty trick I could think of and even some new ones that I didn't know were possible. And in a week, I was able to get around it. And they're like, oh, my goodness, what? <laughs> so, you know, kind of looking back and seeing like, that was what that was what really set me on my path. It was something that was a really tough challenge, but it gave me this huge dopamine hit and was like, I love doing this. This is fun. This is a blast. So I just kept doing it, man. That was like 10 years ago. That's so cool. I like how it was like your, your <laughs> actual work forced you to get into it. And then you're like, you know what? I like to do this as a job and also as a hobby. So when did you like decide yeah. to make it into a hobby? At what point you're like, you know what? This is going to be my first project. I think it started becoming a hobby not long after I started that job. And, you know, the more I learned about different patterns and paradigms and how to write code different ways and getting more and more exposed to the technology, it just got more and more fun. There's there's never ending things to learn. And I'm always coming up with ways to automate stuff that other people would think like, eh, why would you want to? Or you can automate that. And it just ends up saving a lot of time because I'm the kind of person that would ask, you know, why not instead of why, you know, it's like, hey, it's a good exercise. It's a good mental, a good mental puzzle. Let's try it. Let's do it. And I'm sure you have like a bunch of projects underneath your belt and which is actually a segue to my next question. What is your preferred field to focus on when you do automation for uh, as a hobby? Do you like doing apps? Do you like doing robots? What do you prefer to do? I like to do robots. I like to do stuff where you have to interact with a website, you know, because I, I spend a lot of time on social media. It was enough that I'm like, okay, this could be a problem. You know, I'm just taking time away from family. So whatever it is that I'm doing, figure out what's taking the most time and then automate that. So really it's a hobby that helps strengthen me as, as a man, as a husband, a father, you know, it helps me to put the focus where it belongs, you know, and, and the places where I spend the most time are like, on a website or on an app, trying to figure out like, okay, how to get more social presence. So yeah, coming up with robots to do that has been really exciting. And this might be a stupid question to ask, but has there ever been anything you were not able to automate? Like you just couldn't find a workaround? So far, no. And that, <laughs> I hope, I hope that doesn't sound like braggadocious or anything, but I don't know. I just, I've got this obsessive personality where I can't leave stuff alone. I always figure out a way. And it's like, 
there have been times where I've I've been just beating my head on the wall, uh, trying to fix something, trying to figure out why isn't this working, why isn't it working, and little bit by little bit I learn something, or I just I run across a piece of information and it's just in time learning, you know, you figure it out and it's like oh, there's a little snippet of information. Somebody would ask something on Stack Overflow like nine years ago, a question, and it's like. There's one answer and it's like, that's exactly the answer I'm looking for. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I mean, I hope that doesn't come across as either, ah, oh, this guy's full of it or he just hasn't had a lot of exposure to different things. Like he hasn't found the real problems yet, but there's been some sticky stuff, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know what? No, no, it's not, it's not like egotistical. It's you're passionate, you're ambitious. That's what it shows. And I, I really do appreciate that. But at, actually on that note, what are some common issues that might happen when you're doing automation? So when you're looking at, like if you have LinkedIn, for example, up on a website, not the app, you've got like all kinds of buttons and text fields and things like that. The way that the way that you find those, they're called elements first off. And the way that you tell the automation, the robot to find it, you give it what's called a locator. And unfortunately, sometimes websites don't use the same information for their locators. So all of a sudden, oh, I can't find the button or, oh, I can't find the text field. When if you're a human, you're looking at the screen, it's like, it's right there. Just click the thing. <laughs> so, you know, the developers are free to make changes. It's not, it's not my show, but they're free to make changes, but sometimes it can, it can break automation. And that's the case everywhere. I mean, that's the case even out in the real world, not on the hobby side, you know, a website might look the same, but the way you access those different components, those different elements is way different. And then your robot breaks and you got to spend time fixing the robot. So that's one of the most common challenges is just things moving around or not showing up in time or they they change the flow. Like you click this button, it used to go to this one page, now it goes to a different page. And it's like, whoops, none of what I'm looking for is there. And then you just got to make adjustments accordingly. But the cool part is, I mean, you can make robots that are more immune to that sort of thing. And yeah, so once you once you kind of establish a pattern, you're like, yeah, this, this is kind of the look and feel of this whole site. It's looking and feeling like this. Then you have less chance of needing to fix your robot. This might be a really bad analogy, but it'd be kind of like having two identical houses on the outside, but the inside being completely different and having a different key for both of those houses. Yes, exactly right. Or, you know, if you want... That that is an accurate analogy, or it could be like, hey, you're you know you're used to where the furniture is in your own house, and you can walk around it blindfolded. But then if I if I come over and move your couch around, you know you're gonna stub your toe, right? So like that wasn't where I thought it was gonna be, you know. And then I'd be asking, what are you doing in my house? <laughs> what are you doing in my house? How'd you get here? Why are you moving my couch? Why are you getting a key, man? <laughs> Why you didn't like where the couch was? No, it was in front of the fridge. Yeah, easy access. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all that time I saved. Look how efficient. Hey, that's a perfect segue. How long does it usually take you to complete a project? Speaking about time. <laughs> well, probably, you know, for really small ones, like what I've been doing lately, maybe two or three hours. And I'll give you an example. Just today, I'm like, you know, I've got some automations that I run on a regular basis when I remember, but I don't want to sit there and be like, all right, start the thing, uh, type in the number that you want to run, blah, 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 blah. It's like, just run it every day at like a certain time. And so I sat there for a minute. And I said, okay, well, how am I going to break this down? I want to run this task at, you know, 845 in the morning or 1115 in the morning or something like that. But I had that done in about maybe two hours, I think. And that's about average because I've got, I've got enough projects around that I know which parts and pieces to like 
rip out of old stuff and put it in the new and, you know, shave off everything that's not a canoe basically and uh, build a new thing. So there's very little like brand new coding that I have to do in order to pull something off. I love, I love that aspect where you can go back to an old project and say, well, this aspect didn't work for here, but I can just take that and bring that idea to this new project. That's cool. Yep, exactly. And you know, the more I do it, the more I, the more I write code in general, it's, it, it used to be like trying to make something out of Play-Doh, you know, you take a wad of stuff and you just kind of mush it into shape. But now it's like, it's more like Legos. It's more, uh, it's more components and like, you know, this clicks together with this and you can just make things really quick. It's amazing. It's cool. Computers have really come a long way since I was a kid. Yeah. And it's going to keep getting better. And actually on that note, where do you see the future of automation going? Well, I know that there's been a lot of noise around trying to combine artificial intelligence and machine learning with automation, you know, whether it's test automation or robotic process automation or whatever it is, you know, try to get around that issue of, well, what happens if you can't get at the elements on the screen or what happens if they change their application out from under you? How do you make self-healing code? And there have been some interesting advancements made. I don't think they've got it fully solved yet, but I think if anything, that's what's going to, that's what's going to be the next big shift is using AI and machine learning properly and being predictive about, okay, here's exactly how to do what you're asking. Like, you know, you, you explain what you want the automation to do in plain English and it parses it and says, oh, he wants to make a robot that does blah, blah. I, I can totally do that. And it just builds it for you. I can totally see that happening. That's pretty cool. Imagine it's just the robot, the actual AI is in his teenage years. Like, no, I don't want to. Just having a rebellious no. face. <laughs> I don't want to. Stay out of my room. <laughs> stay out of my, yeah. stay out of my codes. Don't touch it. No. <laughs> That's my class. Stay out of that. <laughs> I could picture that. And for you, what would you say is the best part about automation on a personal and emotional level? You know, there's just something neat about seeing a program of any kind work. You know, it's uh, computers are really dumb and they'll do exactly only what you tell it to do. Amazing. You know, people think computers are really smart. It's like they're really not. I read something one time, you know, they described computers as yeah, it's basically just a lump of silicon that you trick into thinking by shocking it with electricity. It's a rock. It's, it's just a big, dumb rock, you know. And, uh, you know, when you, when you write something that does what you want it to do and it works, it's like, holy gee whiz, I can't believe that worked. First off, it's like, whoa, I didn't think that would actually work. But then you realize, huh, I made that thing, you know. It kind of tickles the creation part of your brain. You've actually built something that wasn't there before. It's fun, dude. It's addictive. It is. And you always, always get better at it. And it's like, wow. And then your last creation gets neglected by your new creation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well then, and then we just take it and tear it up for parts and use it in other stuff. Yeah. It's like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but helpful. If that's not, yes. not, not trying to create chaos. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know how to phrase this question exactly, but you know, I'll ask it anyways. What are your countermeasures when it comes to social media bots messing around with automation? I think it's – there's always the chance that, yeah, you could get caught. I mean the platforms that I work on, they kind of frown on automation 
And rightfully so. I mean, if everybody was out there pounding out a thousand messages and just spamming everybody, that would really take away from the quality of the platform. So, um, you know, the countermeasures I come in with are to act a little more human, right? Like I limit how many messages I send a day. Like if I'm going to run the bot that will send uh, messages to certain people about, hey, you want to be on a podcast? Like I limit it to maybe 50 a day. You could go higher, but I don't want to. And I also don't slam them out like one right after the other. I put pauses in between. But yeah, just I try to keep it within the norm. Like if I were an actual person sitting here copy pasting the same message to how many people, like how many times would I really want to do this before I say I'm bored? I want to do something else. And then that's the number I go with. So, you know, anything to kind of slow it down. It doesn't have to be like super quick or anything like that. It's meant to save time for me. So even if the bot takes like an hour to run and it normally would take me like five minutes, well, I've got my five minutes back. I don't care how long it takes to run. I've got my return on investment. You know what I mean? You know what? I'm, I appreciate that answer because it goes to show that there's good people who use automation and you understand there's a limit on what should be acceptable and what should not be acceptable. Acceptable, Like theoretically speaking, you could send 5,000 in two minutes, right? Yep. And uh, it, it's kind of like the saying too much of a good thing could turn out bad. Yes. Like it might just backfire. So it, and it's good that you're like, all right, cool. This is how much I want to do it. And then, you, you know, you just said you re, you have a return on your investment. So right away, boom. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I disagree with this and I really love the way you approach it. It's pretty cool in this day and age where technology is everywhere and automation is everywhere and some people abuse it, but you know what? You're one of the good ones. I'm not saying that in a weird I'm way. I'm one of the good ones. Yeah, but no, you are the yeah. good one. Yeah. <laughs> you're the only good one. <laughs> I made it, man. Yeah. I can be the only one. Yeah. I'm one of those white hat automation hackers, you know? <laughs> And uh, for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started automation? Wow. Like just trying to understand how to do it. You know, when I when I first started, kind of going back to that job I was talking about before, you know, I was looking at code snippets that were written by an intern and, you know, he meant well, but it was like a lot of repeated code and I didn't get a really good handle on like how to do the stuff because it was still really, really new to me. So I don't know. It's like kind of being in a new environment where you don't know what are you supposed to pay attention to, what's really important, what's not so important. It's like, this is common code. I didn't really know what was common and what was specific to what was being asked for. So everything was new and fresh. You know, you're approaching it with the eyes of a two-year-old, like, oh my goodness, look at everything. Wow, grass, the sky, clouds, look at that bird, you know, and you get to be an adult and it's like, eh, yeah, it's just, it's stuff. It's not new. I hadn't got to the point yet where I knew what needed to be paid attention to. So I think that was the biggest challenge was just trying to figure out like, you know, you're looking at code. It's just a big gob of goo. You don't know where to even start. But, you know, now it's not it's not a problem. And yeah, having the right teacher is always helpful when you're trying to learn something new. And speaking of which, have you ever taught anybody? I have. Yeah, that's like one of the things that um, I really enjoy when I teach people automation. Usually it'll be at a client. We work a lot with software testers, like manual testers, and uh, you know they've got a lot of a lot of time spent doing what they're doing, and it's so much that they don't have time to do any more testing or any better testing. So when I teach them about automation at any level, any kind, if it's an automated test or a script or whatever, you know, kind of coming along and and guiding them when they get that light bulb moment, oh, 
that's addictive. When they realize what they can do, what they're capable of, it's like, I live for that. That's awesome. And people pay me to come in and do that. Can you believe that? <laughs> they pay me to come in and get a dopamine hit. It's great. They pay you to enjoy your passion. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> no, no, not really. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, we're living in 2020, you know, anything could happen. I feel like that's the saying everybody says yeah. every year. You know, we're living in 1997, anything could happen. We're living in yeah. 1534, anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. And for you, what is your current biggest challenge? Current biggest challenge is actually well outside of anything related to automation. You know, as a business owner, there's always the need for uh, business, right? So, you know, closing deals, trying to find the right clients, trying to find the people that need the help. You know, because of COVID-19, unfortunately, there have been a lot of companies that, you know, would have needed help with automation at some level, but the projects are usually bigger than what they're comfortable spending. They're kind of averse to this risk of, hey, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, have a team come in and spend six months with us fixing our processes and, you know, giving us some really good return on investment. They're just not comfortable with that because they're like, I don't know if I'm even going to have a job tomorrow, you know? So finding the companies that either aren't affected as much by COVID-19 or are willing to take that perceived risk on a larger project and, get out ahead of their competition. That's been one of the biggest challenges right now. But I guess, fortunately, everybody's handicapped in the same way. You know, everybody's been impacted by this. So we're all at the same level. And we're all going to just get back on our feet slowly at the same time. There's no one, no one comes out, no one comes out a winner in all this. Exactly. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we all come out sharper, but it's at a cost of, man, that was hard. This is a hard time for a lot of people. And I've I've talked with a lot of people that, you know, they've lost their jobs. They, they've lost their jobs and they've been at the same place for like 20 years and now they're gone. And it's like, dang, you know, so we're just finding different ways to help. And we're definitely out of our comfort zone with uh, finding different ways to help people. A lot of it is, you know, helping them get online, building websites for them or doing small software projects. But we're getting there. You know, we're able to touch the lives of people that are outside the normal circles and we're finding ways to help. It's exciting. I hate saying that. I mean, it's it's an exciting time. Like, what a morbid thing to say. Why are you excited about coronavirus? But there's so many opportunities for growth. There's going to be like billionaires coming out the woodwork that never would have been had this not happened because their skill sets, like they're built, they're just made for this. They're built for such a time as this. So it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. You know what? I completely agree with you. And once again, it sounds morbid saying that, but I'm sure a lot of people have heard this online is that this is the perfect time to pick up a new hobby. I agree because by picking up a new hobby, you improve a skill set of something that you might've never known before. And somebody listening to this might say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to pick up automation and it can help them in many different ways. It can help them in their personal life, their business life, their spiritual life. I don't know how to connect that, but it could. Uh, emotional life, uh, <laughs> technological life, anything. It's just the idea of picking something up, whether it's a small hobby or a big hobby. It's You bring in new skill sets, you learn new skill sets, and you can bring it and show it to the world after this whole kerfuffle is uh, over. <laughs> I love it. A worldwide pandemic, and it's a, it's a kerfuffle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to like water it down, just calling it a kerfuffle. I'm not saying the situations should be watered down, but you know, just pandemic is kind of like the hard P 
so kerfuffle though the soft kerfuffle is also a hard c uh yes anyways back to there the actual go. automation which is very soft right it's there's no hard automation uh where do you usually go to learn more about automation do you take courses online do other people teach you or do you go i don't know a newspaper on the street <laughs> wow i you know i've really been self-taught you know and that's just me i mean i know that there are courses out there that you can take or you could have workshops or user groups or whatever but you know i've largely just been self-taught and i'm like that with i like that with everything i don't seem to take coaching well i don't know if it's just a i like to learn things on my own i like to just you know get the basics and then just jam my arms in up to the armpits and just feel around and see what i come up with and yeah i'm going to be you know relearning stuff that you know somebody could have just showed me how to do but when i understand the intricacies of how things go together I seem to to pick it up and take the lessons and they last a lot longer. I'm just a maker at heart. I did the same thing with um, guitar. I got a wild hair when I was a kid. I was like my early 20s and I'm like, I want to learn to play guitar. And my dad was like, all right, let's go to the pawn shop. And uh, we got a fairly cheap guitar and I still got it. And I noodled around on that thing forever. And I just felt like, uh, uh, I'm not making any progress. Uh. And then finally I was able to like, actually strum and play the chords and change my fingers like right away. It used to take me a couple seconds. And I have to stop the song and like change my fingers and do it. But eventually I got it. I didn't take a, a lesson in my life and I'm not a like a virtuoso by any means. I, you know, comparatively, I kind of suck at guitar, but I'm happy with my progress. I'm happy with my ability to pick up a guitar and play. I can play a song and then, you know, put it away and not have to practice, you know, but yeah, it's self-taught. You know what? Congratulations for that. I really do appreciate people who do self-teaching themselves because I'm in the same boat. Because I self-taught how to do music as well. I can't read or write music or even play the piano correctly, but I do like one finger at a time and I used to produce music and I'm like, cool. I did it on my own. And for this yeah. podcast, no teacher, no one taught me about how to edit and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, I have to teach myself. And like you said, just I shoved my hands so deep in that hole. That sounds really weird and dirty <laughs> there's no way i can't get out of that okay i immerse myself in podcast yeah there you go that's that's i saved myself right <laughs> there we go you're just gonna edit that part out make sure it's family friendly it's cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah no it's just it's satisfying to know like whoa and then sometimes you look back at it you're like whoa i taught myself that how how did i do this from here from nothing mm-hmm I don't know. It's, it's a great feeling. It's, but also, it it's also, you don't need to do it by yourself. There's teachers out there like, uh, you know, Michael, who can help you with mm -hmm. automation. Yeah, definitely. Don't listen to Alex for podcasting. He just mumbles a lot. That's basically all that Alex does. <laughs> <laughs> and now for probably one of the most important questions that I ask on every show, what are some misconceptions about people who do automation? That they're huge nerds. You know, there's still this stigma of, oh, software equals nerdy. It's hard. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's challenging, but so is getting good at playing chess or so is crocheting. I can't for the life of me figure out how my wife makes Afghans, but it, it, everything worth doing is going to be a little bit challenging. It's going to be, you know, somewhat complex, but anybody can do it. I think somebody, some people think that you're, you're almost like you got to be in some kind of Harry Potter house or whatever in order to code properly. Like, I'm just a muggle. You know, I can't write software. Yes, you can. I mean, it. there's so many languages out there. There are lots of easy ones to pick up and they'll do automation. 
the one I use all the time, I use Ruby and it's one of the easiest languages to learn. I teach people how to do automation. That's the language I go with because it's, it's the easiest. It's got the lowest learning curve. So literally anybody can do it. And I think it's one of the biggest misconceptions, man, is just that bar. They think the bar is so high. It's, it's not. It's really not. I'm not a genius and I figured it out. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Well, you're a genius in my eyes. Don't take that away. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, speaking of which, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I forget what the name is. It starts with a K, but there's this like computer where kids can build and it teaches them how to code and they code in Minecraft. So it teaches them how to actually build the computer and then code. Oh, nice. That's cool. It's like $150 and it comes with a screen, a keyboard, a mouse, but you have to build the computer itself. And then it's a whole coding process and it teaches you like step-by-step, step, like code the Apple to do this. And then it's like really cool. That is neat. Yeah, there's something that, uh, there was a language I I haven't heard too much about it lately, but it's called Scratch. And it's uh, it's meant for kids. You know, like you can build little characters and make them walk around or jump or fly or whatever. You're giving them the control to put in different instructions and think logically like, oh, I've got this complex thing. I want this uh, cat or dog or whatever to do. I got to break it up into smaller steps. And it's like, that's the secret. That's the secret behind software development. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't say that. You got to edit it out of the podcast. No, but that that's really it. I mean, just kind of breaking it down into individual steps. And when you realize like, okay, I know how to write software, how to write code for each of these individual steps. That's your software. That's your automation. That's your robot. That's really all it is, man. That's all I do. That's the secret. Damn it. We ruined the secret. Now it's no longer a secret. <laughs> Blast. It's no longer a six-figure thing. I can't make a career out of it now. And I wouldn't have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And you were speaking about languages themselves. What would you say are some of the most popular languages when it comes to, let's say, automation or coding in, in, as a whole? Well, for automation and coding as a whole... The most popular ones are Java, that's an evergreen one, .NET, like C-sharp, Python is pretty popular, you know, and, and the reason why those are the most popular is because those are ones that like formal software developers will gravitate toward. They usually go for that. Um, a lot of companies, when they, when they decide, for example, hey, we're going to get into automation, they're probably going to go with what the developers use. I guess the ones that are not as popular, but they're incredibly, incredibly effective. Uh, I mean, Python is in that list. It, there's there's a certain section of people that do it in Python, uh, but Ruby is another good one to get into. You know, because there there aren't there aren't a whole lot of companies that use Ruby as their as their go to language for writing their applications, but it is a really, really awesome language to pick up automation. Even if you're doing it, whether you're doing it for fun or you're doing it, you want to get into it as a career. If you're trying to interact with an application that the developers have written, even if it's, even if you write your automation in Ruby, you can still hit that application because you're either hitting a website or you're hitting a web service behind it. And it doesn't matter. You can, you can still get to it. So it's very versatile. It's very versatile. It's very easy to pick up. That's perfect. I love how there's so many languages and they all have common things that they share together, but also unique things that allow them to be different from the other ones, which is kind of like languages in real life. Certain languages have certain words that can't be used in other languages, which is cool. Right. Exactly. It is. Yeah. And I mean, when you really need to get, 
there's a certain message that you need to get across. Like certain languages will do a much better job of that. You know, like like you said, English has got terms that don't make any sense at all in other languages. But we know what we're trying to say, like the different idioms and things that we use. But then other languages are like, you know, because of the culture that surrounds it, you know, and they, they have a certain word picture that they go with. It's like that makes sense over there. So if I just spoke French, I would understand how to say like certain things. But I'm not going to self-teach. I, I just I've tried. I've tried self-teaching <laughs> uh, spoken languages and I'm like, this is not going to end well. I'm going to like have a stroke. So would it be a bad <laughs> thing to say right now that French is actually my first language? <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I'm in Canada and I speak French to my mother, English to my father. And they yell at me in both languages. <laughs> oh, do they really? Oh, when and I was a kid. you straight? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then my wife speaks Korean and my brother-in-law speaks, he's Russian. So yeah, it's uh, we're, we have oh, a lot wow. of languages in the house. <laughs> goodness, goodness. Yeah, my wife's family, you know, she comes from a, from a Mennonite background. Ooh. So there's, there's quite a bit of German in there. And every once in a while, they'll, they'll belt some out and I'll be like, I mean, I took German in high school, but they kind of make fun of me. They're like, oh, that's high German. You're, you know, we're speaking low German. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry that that's what they taught me, but I understand like 35% of what you're saying. So I get the gist. It's fine. 50% 50, 50 <laughs> of a conversation is looking confident during a conversation. Just pretending like, you know, like when my wife speaks Korean to her parents and I'm just listening in for my name and I nod mm -hmm. my head. <laughs> She's like, yes. Yeah. He's like, this guy's an idiot. Like, mm, yes, 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 I am. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in picking up this hobby? I sure do. You know, and I just actually, I got done writing an article about this just uh, yesterday. In fact, um, it's not live yet, but you know, when people come to me and they ask like, how do I get started learning automation? I always say, you know, don't start by trying to inhale a bunch of information. Start with a really, really small project. And it kind of goes back to that whole, that dopamine hit, right? You know, the sooner that your brain can trigger that, the quicker you're going to reinforce your learning. And starting with a small, with a really small project in mind gets you there because now that's your focus. And then a side effect of that is you're learning all the little nuts and bolts and nuances to get it to work right. You pick up all kinds of cool things. You basically learn exactly what you need in order to accomplish the project. And then when you decide, hey, this is fun, then you can pick a, a little bit harder thing, a little more challenging thing. But you keep using and reusing and recycling all that knowledge that you've picked up from the first, second, third, fourth, fifth project. But that first one, that first one's always the most important. It needs to be small. I've actually got an example of one on, on our website. I can send you a link to it after the show's over. Yeah, that'd be perfect. And it's almost as if you saw the questions beforehand, because that's once again, a perfect segue to my following question. Do you have any social media links or websites or projects that you'd love to share with the people so they can come follow you and show some support? Sure thing. I can give you the, um, what do I got? <laughs> well, I got the website. What do I have? Man, what assets do I have? So I've got the website. I've got you know, it's got, it's got a blog and it's got all kinds of things you learn there, some uh, downloadable things, bonuses. Um, I'm all over the place on LinkedIn, like I said. I'm also on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. What else? I used to be on TikTok, but not anymore. But yeah, I can, I can, provide, I can provide some information for you. I'll get all those links so people can come follow you and just see your automated journey. Well, that sounds weird saying that. but <laughs> Automated journey. Your automated journey. <laughs> 
you don't really want a journey to be automated. You want to enjoy in the actual journey. But you know what? I, I'm not the expert. You are. You tell me if you want an automated journey, then sure. We'll have an automated journey like this podcast. <laughs> hey, man, if I could build myself some mechanical legs to get up them tough hills, I wouldn't I wouldn't gripe about it. <laughs> you know what? You do that. I'll be at the bottom of the hill just making sure that the bottom of the hill is doing good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and now for the last question, do you have any questions for me about automation? I can't think of anything. Well, have you had experience with it? Like, have you ever seen tools that look interesting? The only experience I've had with, let's say, automation and let's say coding was I took a summer camp a while ago where I programmed my own little video game. Nice. Which was cool. And I don't know why I didn't continue it. But, you know, as a kid, your parents trust to put you in all the sports and all the activities. So they just want you to dip your toes in everything, which I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. Uh, but yeah, looking back now, I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I learned more about it. Maybe if that little computer I talked about beforehand existed back then, maybe I would have been more interested in it as well. Maybe. I'm hoping that something happens with our girls. I think a couple of them are a little bit interested. They've got that bug. I'm like, yeah, well, it's you, in there. You know what? I'll send you the link. I'll find it right after this episode. It's Kubo or Cujo, not Cujo. That's the dog. Nope. With rabies. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm not going to send you Cujo. <laughs> That's not what you want, but I'll find that and I'll send it to you. And then, uh, yeah. So uh, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Michael, for just coming on and just, just sharing all this. This is amazing. I loved it. I'm not an expert in it, but it, you did show that, you know what? You don't have to be extremely knowledgeable to start off. Anybody can do it. Just take small bites. Is not eating the whole cake, mm -hmm. just take a slice and then work your way to the whole cake. Yeah, it's much more manageable that way, man. Well, thank you for the opportunity to come on and talk with you. The honor is all mine. So if you guys want to learn more about Michael, you can go check him out. I'll put all the links in the description below. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast, you know, leave a review or leave an automated review. 50 reviews per second. I won't. <laughs> Don't tempt me. It's possible. <laughs> I know. That's exactly why. And uh, yeah, reviews are good. Uh, I'm also selling merchandise on Redbubble and I have a Patreon. If you're ever interested, you like what you hear, you know, there's that, but you don't need to. Everything's free. You know what? It's the internet. You can even download it illegally. I don't even know. Don't do that. Don't download illegally. You did not hear that. I do not support that. <laughs> download my podcast legally for free. Think about that. And uh, yeah, so thank you once again so much, Michael. I appreciate it, man. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>